Welcome to the Liberty Cafe, where oppression is on the menu. Hi, this is Bill Peacock, and welcome to episode 60 of the Liberty Cafe. I really like that number, 60. I know it's not like a big number like 100 or 52. That's a whole year. 100 is a nice round number, but 60 sounds pretty good. I don't know why. Maybe it's a, the completeness of an hour, you know, 60 minutes in an hour or 60 seconds in a minute. Something sounds whole and complete about that number. But whether that's just me or there's something else to it, I'm glad you're here for episode 60 of the Liberty Cafe, and I'm particularly pleased that during most of these 60 episodes, we've had Texas Scorecard as our sponsor. It's a great group of individuals, and I'm proud to be a part of the Texas Scorecard Network and talking about the fight for liberty. So please go over to texasscorecard.com and check out all the many offerings, podcasts and articles and and lots of other things that you can go there and find out about what's going on about the fight for liberty here in Texas at the local and state level and and really across the nation and the world. So today's title, you've probably already seen it for the podcast, is Why Discrimination Should Be Legal. And before I get into this, let me model or channel probably my favorite commentator on world activities world issues today uh, including the gospel and the bible and how it speaks to all these things uh, douglas wilson pastor douglas wilson he's up at christ church in moscow idaho I'm sure some of my listeners know who he is uh, but if you don't you ought to google him and go to his um, web page blog in my blog i think it's dougwills.com and listen to him and find out what's going on but he does this thing called no quarter november where he just steps right into the big issues at hand and doesn't qualify his comments at all to address possible objections from people particularly people who oppose him who will accuse him of saying, well, you said this and you didn't say that, therefore you're a bad, evil person. Well, I don't quite have the guts that Pastor Wilson does, perhaps, or maybe just this isn't November. But before I get into this issue about why discrimination should be legal, let me just say right up front is I don't think people ought to discriminate against people because of the color of their skin. Right? I think that's wrong. I think we should treat people whatever color of their skin, whatever their national background, their ethnicity. Uh, Christ makes it very clear, the Bible makes it very clear, that we, in Jesus Christ, are all one people. And we should not treat others differently because of different char- characteristics that they have. The only true characteristics on which we should judge people is whether they're in Christ or outside of Christ. So I don't think that people should discriminate against blacks or Hispanics or Chinese or whatever ethnic background color of your skin you come from. So there we go. That's out in the open. I don't think that's right. That being said... I still think it ought to be legal, and 
Now we'll talk about why. So let's go back. We, we have to go back a long ways to get to this, and hopefully not too long because I want to get to the point pretty quickly. But uh, let's look at key aspects of the founding of our government. And one of those key aspects that people struggled with in the Constitutional Convention was power because the, most of the people who founded our country were Christians. Some weren't. Some were deist or Unitarian, somebody like uh, Thomas Jefferson was probably a Unitarian, so believed in a God, but even an act of God, but not Jesus Christ as God as well. And so, but they all believed or understood the problem with fallen man, that, that man is corrupt, and that leads to a problem when you're trying to set up a government, is you, if you put too much power in one place— then you're going to have a problem because, as Lord Acton said, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. This, this concept goes back into the Bible, but particularly from a, applying it to the government, it really goes back uh, as far as Augustine, who, who was very suspicious of what he called the city of man because it was run by people who— um, were fallen and corrupt and didn't believe in God. Now, today, of course, we have lots of people in government who do believe in God, but nonetheless, even though they've been saved by Jesus Christ, they have corruption issues too. And and so the founders were just drenched in this stuff. It was dripping out of their pores when they dealt with this. And so they, they, they tried to deal with it in a whole lot of different ways. And one of the ways they tried to deal with it was this concept of federalism. The same, look, we're going to give some power to the federal government but we're also going to make sure that the states have some power. And, and that came through in this concept of enumerated powers. Enumerated powers, we're saying, basically said that the Constitution is a document of enumerated powers. And in this document, we're going to give certain enumerated powers to Congress, certain enumerated powers to the president, the executive branch, and certain enumerated powers to the, the courts. And those are sp- laid out in Articles 1, 2, and 3 of the Constitution, and there's some others sprinkled throughout. But then we get to the Tenth Amendment to the Constitution, which basically says those powers not specifically granted to the federal government or specifically prohibited to the states are reserved to the states, respectively, or to the people. So it's very clear that there are limits on authority, and there's limits on authority because of this clear understanding of the problems of power and corruption. And, and that's not just in the Constitution. God did the same thing in the Bible where he specifically delegated certain powers, we might call them enumerated powers, to civil rulers in the, in the government. He said, you can do this. But there were limits on what those civil rulers could do. They, they just couldn't do anything, in part because he didn't give them enumerated powers, but also in part because God set up other forms of government, particularly, well, specifically, civil government was one, the, the government we think about, but also family government and the church government. And he gave those in different spheres of authority. And so there's this limited aspect all delegated power from God, and that carries right into the Constitution of the United States because, after all, it's a Christian 
founded document. Not a perfect one by any means, and we won't go into all the details there. So we take this forward from the founding of the country to... 1875. What's going on in 1875? Well, the Civil War is just over, just a a decade before. And, but the, many of the battles that brought the Civil War to the forefront are not over yet. Part of that has to do with slavery. Of course, slavery's gone by this time, but there are elements in the South that are trying to limit what blacks in the South can do. Now, that's not exclusively to the South because you have some problems along those lines in the North, but mostly in the South. But there's other battles going on, and I'd suggest by this time, if not before this time, those battles are even more important to the dynamics going on in what we might call sectionalism or the sectionalism or the fight between the North and the South. In particular, that would be uh, around economic issues and just power issues. Uh, the, the North wanted to subject the South to make them do whatever the North wanted them to do, and the South was resisting that. And so people in the North who favored a strong national government and had no interest in federalism, as the Founding Fathers set it up, were doing a lot of things to... try and impose their will on the southern states. And one of the things they did on that was the civil rights cases. Uh, The Civil Rights Act of 1875, which brought up the civil rights cases that came before the U.S. Supreme Court in 1883. And basically what the Civil Rights Act of 1875 had done was made it illegal for private citizens to discriminate against people because of the color of their skin, particularly, obviously, in this case, because they were black. In one section of the act says that an act describes it, as a matter of fact. It says this is an act to protect all citizens in their civil and legal rights, including access to inns, public conveyances, theaters, and other places of public amusement. So basically what the Civil Rights Act did of 1875, saying... If you own a business, a shop, an amusement type, a movie theater, of course they didn't have movie theaters back then, but just theaters, inns where you accepted the general public to come in and partake in what you offered there, your food, your, your shelter, those, the goods and services you provided, then you can't stop a black person or person of different ethnicity from coming into your shop. That's going to be made illegal. Well, the Supreme Court had to take this up in 1883, and essentially the Supreme Court said, you can't do this. Right? And why did they say that? Well, because they looked at the 14th Amendment. Right? The 14th Amendment was passed in the uh, times after World War, I mean, the Civil War, And basically it said that no state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of the citizens of the United States. So basically the 14th Amendment said that the state of Texas or the state of Alabama 
can't pass a law that discriminates against somebody because of the color of their skin, right? Essentially, that's what it says. But that wasn't what the Civil Rights Act of 1875 tried to do. It said it's not that it wasn't pointed at the states. It was pointed at individuals. Well, it was pointed at the states to some extent, but it was also pointed at individuals. And the Supreme Court said, no, th- this very clearly says no state shall make or enforce any law. It doesn't say anything about private individuals. And so the court held, and this is a quote here, that prohibitions of the amendment are against state laws and acts done under their under state authority. And to apply it to individuals would be repugnant to the Tenth Amendment of the Constitution. Ultimately, what the, the Supreme Court said, in agreement with the Tenth Amendment and the Fourteenth Amendment, is that Congress can make laws that apply to states, keeping them from discriminating, but they can't do that against private individuals. Well, let's move forward about 100 years, 90 years or so, and we get to the Civil Rights Act of 1964. And um, in the Civil Rights Act of 1964, it says this, and this is sound pretty familiar, all persons shall be entitled to full and equal employment, enjoyment of the goods, services, facilities, privileges, advantages, and accommodations of any place of public accommodation as defined in this section, and we've already talked about that, restaurants and theaters and inns, those types of things, without discrimination or segregation on the ground of race, color, religion, or national origin. So the language here is almost exactly the same language that we saw in the Civil Rights Act of 1875. And it's certainly the same purpose. But unlike the... Supreme Court in 1883, the Supreme Court, the Warren Court, uh, a lot of people call it, held that the Civil Rights Act of 1964 was constitutional because of, get this, Congress's power under the Commerce Clause are virtually unlimited. So they were at least smart enough to be able to look at the 14th Amendment and say, well, that clearly says no state. And so they they couldn't base an argument on that because that would be pretty silly. But but instead, they, they went to a place where the word state isn't directly used. And the, the Commerce Clause of the United States basically says that the Constitution says that Congress can regulate interstate commerce, right? Well, they decided that, and this goes back to Wickard versus Filburn and other decisions back in the 30s and 40s, where, where basically the Supreme Court caved to FDR and said, oh, sure, interstate commerce includes the growing of wheat on your own property for your own consumption. And the, the federal government of the United States can tell you not to grow wheat on your property if even if the only thing you're going to do with it is eat it in your own family. So if you take that reading of the U.S. Constitution, as the Supreme Court did in uh, Wickard versus Filburn, and then move that forward uh, about 20-some-odd years to 
the, the jurisprudence on the Civil Rights Act, then what isn't interstate commerce? And Congress's powers under the Commerce Clause are virtually unlimited. Now, of course, that doesn't have anything to do with reality as far as what is in the Constitution, but it certainly has to do with what's reality when it comes to federal intrusion in our lives. And so what the Supreme Court said was illegal in the 1800s that private property had to be used in a certain way, whether the owners liked it or not, in this case serving people they didn't want to serve, and in this case particularly blacks, now the federal government can force you to use your property in a way that you don't want to use it, in, in this case particularly serving food or providing accommodation to blacks. So as I said before, the color of a person's skin is no good reason for anyone not to serve somebody else, use their private property for somebody else. That, that, it's just not what we should be doing with our heart. But there is no constitutional or legal basis anywhere in the Bible, in the U.S. Constitution, that makes this the case. The title of this podcast is Why Discrimination Should Be Legal. Well, in fact, it is legal. What is illegal is the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and the Supreme Court's interpretation of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and the Constitution applied to that. And so we are dealing now today with government officials, branches of government, that are behaving illegally. And so when that is the case, we shouldn't be surprised that they, their illegal actions lead them into despotism, tyranny, and then just total confusion about the way God has designed this world and how it works. So, so first of all, as I talked about, this, this concept of just looking at the Constitution and making up what it says, start off with wheat and Wicked versus Filburn. Then it start off with restaurants and stores and hotels, those kind of things, when it comes to race. But then it turned into disabilities. With the American Disabilities Act, now it wasn't that we just couldn't decline to serve these people. We had to spend our own money in order to accommodate people with disabilities to make sure they could get into our stores and our restaurants and our hotels and and participate in whatever we were offering. So it, it's gone this step beyond just we can't it's not that we can't discriminate them. We have to actually against them, we have to discriminate in favor of them. We have to spend our own private property in order to make them be able to come in and enjoy this. Uh, another, so just think about this. If we have to spend our own prop, use our own property in a particular way, spend our own money to do these kind of things, both for people of different colors and ethnic backgrounds and disabilities now, that sounds a lot like slavery to me. It, it really does. Forcing people to use their labor and property in ways they don't want to. That's kind of the name of slavery. 
you know, there's no title involved, but still explain it to me in another way. I think it's hard to do that. But let's move on past that, right? Start out with wheat and then ethnic background, then disabilities. And more recently, it's turned into sexual preferences, right? And, and this has nothing with the way that to do that we're born or things that happen to us. You know, you're, you're born a certain color. Your disabilities, you're either born with those or they come on to you from some ways, generally from the outside. But with gay and transgendered people, they, they make these decisions on their own. They decide to live in certain ways, certain sinful ways. But now, all of a sudden, following this, this Civil Rights Act logic of having to use our private property, being forced to use our private properties in ways we don't want to, now people are being forced to serve you know, gay and transgendered people in certain ways cakes, photography, and other services. And then more recently, of course, with the um, uh, Supreme Court action in Bostock and Altitude Express and Harris and others, and this was uh, uh, a big surprise to a lot of people that this happened, now the gay and transgender rights have have moved to employment. And so this is kind of what I want to get at with this whole why discrimination should be illegal, I mean, should be legal, because there is no end to what the state is going to try and do with this on this, right? Say, for instance, I have a family restaurant, I'm in a small town somewhere, or on the edge. Let's say I'm on the edge of a big town, but I'm really trying to keep it family-friendly, and I want people to bring their kids in. And I have two men dressed up as women who want to come in and work for me as waitresses. Well, I'm going to be in serious trouble, right? Just like a bunch of people have gotten out of the photography business, a lot of people have gotten out of the cake baking business, some people are going to have to get out of the restaurant business or some other business that they have been working on, they've invested, put their money into for a long time because they're being forced to do these things and as we've seen, you know, we just saw recently that the Supreme Court didn't allow a religious exception for vaccine mandates. Well, there are some exemptions for religion when it comes to some of these other types of things, although not about race. But, but it only applies to limited areas. And so pretty soon, the Christian perspective and the private property rights perspective on how to live our lives is going to go out the window and we may all be forced to do things that we don't want to do or to resist these things in ways that could land us in jail, huge fines, and we've already seen a lot of this going on. So let me just finish up here by saying, look, none of this is in the Constitution. You start with the Tenth Amendment, right? Powers not given to the federal government are reserved to the states or the people. Nowhere in the Constitution does it say that you can make discrimination illegal, but that's what they've done. It's, what about the First Amendment? Right? We'll, we'll go to that. Congress shall make no law abridging the freedom of speech, but yet I'm 
I'm forced to speak by publishing photographs or making cakes that support things that I don't believe in. What about the Fifth Amendment? Nor shall private property be taken for public use without just compensation. But all of a sudden, I have to use my private property for a public use to service different people or to hire different people, and I'm not being given compensation for that. My property has just been taken. And then finally, what about the 13th Amendment? Neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, except as a punishment for crime, whereof the party shall be, have duly convicted, shall exist within the United States. But again, if being forced to use your property and your own labor to do things you don't want to do, if that's not involuntary servitude, I don't know what it is. So that's a long way of getting to my point that it should be legal to discriminate because if it's not legal to discriminate, then the federal government is going to be more and more encroaching on the freedoms that we were given under the Constitution, and particularly those freedoms, it seems, that it came out of Christianity, which informed the entire foundation of our country. So, again, just like, let me make it clear, we are all in Jesus Christ. Those who are in Jesus Christ are all one. There is no differentiation between Jew and Greek. But there is room for discrimination, and that discrimination starts with the fact that some people are in Christ and some people are not in Christ. And we need to discriminate properly between those two. Now, we hope to go out there with the gospel and bring those people who are not in Christ to within his community. But we should be allowed to discriminate for those purposes and other purposes according to what the Constitution says and what the Bible says. Well, thank you for being with me today on episode 60 of the Liberty Cafe. And thank you again to our sponsors, Texas Scorecard, and look forward to having you back with us next week. Thank you for listening to the Liberty Cafe by Texas Scorecard. You can find more shows and great content at texasscorecard.com. Please consider leaving a review or rating the show on whatever podcasting platform you listen on.